0: Today, we will be speaking with Jordan Combs. He is currently a master's student at the University of Oregon and is focused on conducting research with a number of professors there. He's also the director of finance for the Oregon Blockchain Group, one of the larger clubs in the Northwest for crypto and Web3. I hope you enjoy the talk. To start off, what are these three different concepts, Web3, Blockchain, and DeFi? So,
1: Web3, DeFi, so yeah, uh, the different concepts is basically Web3 is, the, the best way to put Web3 is that it is an evolution of the internet that we know today. So the, to understand Web3, you kind of have to go back to what Web1 is, uh, which was static web pages back in the day. Uh, which essentially, I think both you and I are a little young for that, but essentially it would just show you a picture and you get your information from that. Web 2 was the integration of advertisements and social media and uh, web pages that were more dynamic and interactive. And then web 3, on a kind of a conceptual basis, is a, an internet that is owned by the people. So the people that utilize the internet, are the people that own it and you would have complete autonomy over your own information as opposed to people utilizing it and selling it. Blockchain and DeFi go together pretty well. So blockchain is a technology, right? um, That essentially makes it so that you can't go back on uh, certain transactions, right? Uh, They're locked into this chain of events that makes it so you can track things. Uh, And that's where decentralized finance comes in, DeFi. Um, Because it's uh, a software that automatically makes it so that people are, you know, unable to go and and hack into something. And uh, it's basically a distributed ledger that cannot be altered, uh, which is really important for the financial ecosystem. Uh, What decentralized finance aims to do is to utilize that for financial technology's sake. Um, So, for instance, a good example I like to use is to get a house. Um, It's really difficult. Uh, a lot of the time, because it's, it's difficult in the sense that you have to go through a lot of mediators uh, and send a lot of paperwork, but blockchain would be a really good addition to that technology in order to kind of soften the experience for consumers.
0: You mentioned a relationship between blockchain and DeFi, but what is the relationship between Web3 and blockchain and DeFi?
1: Yeah, so Web3 is just kind of the culmination of all of this being utilized. So um, like I said, Web3 is kind of an internet that's owned by the people, used by the people. Um, And so to achieve that, most people believe um, that blockchain will be utilized in some fashion. DeFi would be used in a very particular sense of Web3. So think about people who have like a Wells Fargo um, online banking account. That's technically, you know, FinTech to a certain extent, right? Or say like uh, Robinhood, Uh, something like that being decentralized in the future is kind of what people refer to as Web3. In the paper, we talk about a little bit though, uh, at least in my own personal opinion, I think that a Web 2.5 is a little bit more likely, which just means that there would be some decentralized aspects, but I think uh, trying to get everyone to agree and not turn to anarchy uh, would be difficult with
0: a full Web3 model. And you mentioned a Web 2.5, maybe not a Web 3. So what do you think are the further developments in the system that would help it gain more popularity and a greater effectiveness?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, mass adoption is really what uh, most things take, right? So when we went from dial-up to the Wi-Fi we know nowadays, what what dial-up utilized was the the power of just mass adoption, right? So the more people that utilized dial-up, the better dial-up was. So as people ended up switching over to, you know, newer, faster forms of Wi-Fi, dial-up just got worse and worse to the point where you can't even use it nowadays, right? Same thing is kind of how uh, blockchain and crypto uh, is at the moment is that if we want it to be integrated into society, then people need to buy into it. And unfortunately, just like most uh, new technologies in the past, especially for finance, people kind of like their tradition, right? People like feeling comfortable. Um, and so with crypto specifically, I think a lot of people are scared and rightly so, because right now, you know, there's very little uh, legislation. There are really bad people out there that are using it to scam. But as a counterpoint to that, I think that it is a, an extremely innovative technology that will will probably see more of an adoption uh, through the use of companies before uh, just consumers in general. The reason for that is because companies usually have a lot more resources to deploy uh, for projects like this and innovation as opposed to someone like a, uh, you know, someone in their 50s that already hates technology and doesn't want to have to deal with learning something other than a credit card.
0: What is a realistic impact integration that we may be able to see with Web3 and DeFi into our current financial system? You know,
1: I I think the first thing that we're going to see realistically would probably be banking being transformed um, by DeFi. We're already starting to see that. Um, A lot of older people tend to go for private banking nowadays because they kind of share their same values. They're a lot more traditional, um, conservative in what they offer in terms of financial vehicles. Um, But a lot of, you know, like younger kids, right, like Gen Z and kind of below that, um, that generation is more aiming for just like the highest interest rate, right? Like I'm young, why why not just be as dangerous as possible and be super uh, risky with my investments? So that being said, they're, they're much more likely to innovate. Um, sorry, to they're much more likely to go after things that are innovative uh, for the best bang for their bucks. So the reason I think banks specifically is because everyone has a bank account. Um, everyone has to deal with banks on a daily basis and because crypto already has targeted banks um, to a pretty healthy extent um, there are a lot of talks and a lot of formulas going around about central banking and how crypto could possibly find like you know the magic formula that would make sure that nothing was abused or misused but that's what i think realistically What would would I want to see, I think, for integration um, from Web3 uh, would be what we talked about a little bit in the paper, which is DAOs. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with what a DAO is, Um, but it's a decentralized autonomous organization, which basically, think of it as just like a company, but none of the people know each other. Uh, But the way that you trust each other is through kind of consensus protocol, uh, which would essentially just be, Uh, You know, we all have access to certain things. We trust each other because we've kind of, you know, done these things that show that we can be trusted. And then we work together um, on certain projects. So I don't think that DAOs themselves will probably be like majorly successful. I think, like I said, it's going to be more of a 2.5 hybrid situation where companies will utilize a DAO in order to grant permissions to certain uh, employees. Uh, that is a rabbit hole, though. I'm kind of rambling about what I really like about the integration of uh, blockchain.
0: You mentioned how a lot of people are skeptic about cryptocurrency, and this year with the big fall in cryptocurrency prices, how has the outlook on Web three and decentralized finance and blockchain been impacted by these drop in prices in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the several defaults that have been going around uh, the cryptocurrency firms?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really loaded question. <laughs> um, I, I That's a fantastic question though. Um, I think a lot of people need to realize that unfortunately people uh, are terrible investors on average, right? Uh, people see their money go down and their first instinct, right, psychologically is to take it out when that is the worst thing to do. Um, so, and to be fair, I think there are a lot of people that are over leveraged in crypto. There are people that um, way too much money that they weren't willing to lose into a very risky asset. But if we're talking about just the general, um, retail investor, I, I think that, yeah, I think that crypto kind of took a hit this year in terms of its legitimacy, uh, to certain people that were already on the fringe, just because of how much it has dropped, um, and how long it stayed at such a low, um, that being said, for institutional investors, I feel like for big companies, they can weather the storm. And that's why I think a lot of them are just getting a crazy discount on crypto right now. Um, obviously, this is all hearsay if Bitcoin goes to $1 tomorrow. Um, but I think there's something to be said for people that are still believing this currency. They f- still find utility in the currency, which I think is, you know, the only thing that makes it have worth is that it has utility to these people. Um and yeah, I, I think that overall, it scared most people, especially the general public, but those who are a little bit more sophisticated in their investing uh, strategies and, and their portfolios are able to weather the storm, just, just like the stock market.
0: What is the government's attitude towards Web3, DeFi? Uh, and how do you see the government's attitude possibly changing in the future?
1: So the government's attitude towards DeFi... I'm going to back that question up a little bit to kind of towards crypto in general, Um, because to understand that, you kind of need to understand that. And the government, I think, is just terrified of dealing with it Um, because they're, you know, we live in a constitutional republic. Right. So we're not going to have like a China situation where they just shut down all uh, mining operations and whatnot because it's a competition to the yen or the yuan. Um, but in the U S right, we, we have a certain amount of liberties that they don't want to tread on because they know that they're going to piss people off, but simultaneously, they also need to have some sort of regulation on it. And so I think that they've just been kind of scared on what to do, uh, in a sense. And if not scared, if that's a little too hyperbolic, uh, cause it is the U S government, um, I would say that they're just confounded, um, with just how to actually approach crypto itself. Um, and whether or not to treat it as a security or as an asset. They just they just don't know what class to give it. So that being said, for DeFi in the the governmental world, it's even more complicated because now DeFi is on the blockchain. So not only are they having to deal with Web3 in terms of crypto, but now they also have to add financial regulations as well. That being said, I feel like once the government actually gets to the point where they're comfortable with crypto-ish, right, where they they understand that you know crypto is something that's here to stay and it's a uh, you know it's an asset class of some sort that they decide then they'll probably be able to just apply traditional financial governance to these defi programs because they're not really doing anything new they're just automating them most of the time or if they're not automating them they're at least improving them or innovating them and so defi specifically i think just has the hurdle that everything else in crypto has which is being web3 and being being innovative when there's a lot of people that are uh, extremely traditional in the U.S. government.
0: What was the turning point for fintech? There's obviously a huge gain in Bitcoin, Ethereum price, the introduction of NFTs, and it all became really talked about in the media, even the idea of DeFi. Do you think there was a turning point?
1: Uh, Yeah, there there was certainly a turning point. Um, The... <laughs> it's a good question of kind of where it came from, to be honest with you, because it's something I've actually been able to live through, uh, which is super interesting. I think a lot of the turning point came from companies adapting it, and I think I or adopting it, excuse me, uh, which I talked about a little bit earlier. in the sense that like, you know, people tend to follow um, what is being promoted in the media and what people, like influencers decide right. As much as we hate it, right, or love it, depending on who you are, like TikTok stars have a lot of power over what you do, right? And that's the same thing for, you know, big companies that you trust. Like if I trust, I don't know, Facebook, that's a terrible example. But if I trust Facebook and uh, they they promote crypto and they say they're going to start offering, you know, discounts on, you know, Farmville Plus or something, if I use crypto, then I'm going to be way more interested in getting into that and utilizing that. Um, so I think what really what really happened was like 2016, 2018, um, there was definitely just a, uh, there was a shift where people just started using it in manners that were um, not black market, I hate to say, because uh, Bitcoin, uh, I don't know how much you know about the history of it, but 2009 around then is when Bitcoin came out. And, you know, in, in the timeframe of that to about 2016, it was mainly just used for black market. Uh, utilization, right? Just paying people where it could be tracked, which is not a good look for crypto as a whole. Fantastic technology just being used in the wrong wrong segment, right? So I think it was around 2016, 2018, where companies started saying, hey, like, you know, there's actually some, some viability here. And that's when you start seeing Ethereum um, kind of pop up, get a lot more popular. NFTs start kind of popping up as well. Um, and NFTs brought something that Bitcoin didn't uh, or Bitcoin could, but it doesn't have currently, which are smart contracts, which are probably the most innovative thing in crypto, in my opinion, just because they, they cut out the middleman so well and they're so efficient at what they do. Um, and just to define smart contracts, essentially it's a contract that once all of the prerequisites are made, it automatically executes. So, you know, you wouldn't need a mediator if someone tries, you know, kind of stiffen you for money. If you say, I'm going to sell you this couch for $200, they give you 150, the smart contract wouldn't work because the prerequisite of them giving $200 was never met. So all of that little tangent side, I I think that that's kind of where the turning point was when people started realizing that this technology had applicable use that wasn't something that was just illegal, right? Like it wasn't just you going and Buying drugs in the black market, or doing something you know stupid—it's you actually going and utilizing this technology to fix problems, um, which is just kind of the basis of entrepreneurship in itself.
0: You make it sound like the big change from all of this just has to do with blockchain and the opportunities that this technology presents. So, what is the role of crypto? What is the role of DeFi in this change? Why is a currency like Bitcoin or Ethereum, for example, important to this change?
1: cryptocurrency is just like any other currency in the sense that it has a purpose of being traded for what people perceive as equal goods, right? So theoretically, if I were to go and purchase a pound of butter uh, and we agreed that that was for 0.02 ETH, Ethereum, uh, then we would agree that that's what the value of Ethereum is. That's, That's a pure currency right there. The intersection of blockchain and cryptocurrency is that the way that these currencies operate and the way that they are created, kind of like how the US creates dollars, is through the use of what traditionally was proof of work, which is you'd have people that are donating, not donating, they're utilizing their computing power, their extra computing power that they're not using normally, to generate these tokens by unlocking these complicated passcodes, and then from that you have, you know, trickles of cryptocurrency enter the ecosystem. And every time one is created, a new block is created on the blockchain. Right. That's kind of the origin point. So the best part about the blockchain is you can go back to any piece of Ethereum, right, and see when it was minted, when it was created, uh, you know, who first sold it. That that type of situation, which is really powerful. Um. But cryptocurrency has, it has a lot of uses other than normal currency. So it's for Ethereum specifically, let's say say for instance, it is also a governance protocol. So people that have a lot of Ethereum have a lot of say in where Ethereum goes, um, or at least I I believe that's true with Ethereum. If not, that's, you know, just cryptocurrencies in general, that's kind of the usual consensus. Um, They can be traded and utilized and fractionalized just like we would do with the dollar. But then they also have utility in them in the sense of they can be coded with different things, which is good and bad, right? Because if you can code something, like if I could code a dollar to stab you in the face as soon as you receive it, that's not good. We don't like that, right? That's the equivalent of putting like, you know, an NFT that you purchased with Ethereum, right? It's still kind of based on Ethereum in a sense, uh, but then putting some like malware in there so you get a virus on your computer, that's not cool. But are good things you can do, um, such as, uh, I guess, another project that I've worked on is Ducks of a Feather at the University of Oregon, uh, where they released this limited time shoe by Tinker Hatfield. Um, The drop that we did uh, was an NFT that would be tied to a physical pair of shoes that we sent out later on, huge collectible. But the thing is, is that every time that NFT was traded hands in the period before we actually sent out the shoe, there was code that said that 10% of that secondary sale would be sent to athletes. So you can imagine if something's being traded like, you know, a hundred times a day when it's super popular at first, you know, these athletes are getting just a ton of benefit from this code. And so that's just an example of something that you couldn't do with a, a traditional product, right? In in person. You can't like code things on, I, I guess, per se. Um, and that was a lot. But essentially the, the reason cryptocurrency and blockchain go together is that. Cryptocurrency is on the blockchain and it's what kind of keeps the wheels turning. It's essentially the grease of the blockchain.
0: Finally, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have towards this development in DeFi, Web3, blockchain, crypto, if you want to group it all together? And what advice would you give to people when handling and when learning about these products?
1: The biggest misconception I think there are two. Honestly, the the main one is um, a misconception about how awful it is for the environment. Um, as someone who I, I live in Oregon, which for people who don't know is a very, very environmentally conscious state, and I love I love the environment and I love being able to go outside with the trees and the fauna and everything. It's the people who demonize crypto for that um, usually kind of are just getting upset because they're seeing some raw numbers and some raw data that hasn't, you know, really shown anything super um, concrete, I guess. Um, That being said, uh, as someone, again, who cares a lot about that stuff, I think that it has definitely impacted our, our emissions and our intake of energy. And so that's why I think it's really cool that there are a lot of projects that are starting to care about that a lot. There was the recent Merge, I don't know if you heard about that of Ethereum, which makes it ninety nine point nine five percent more efficient, which is going to cut down everything drastically. So, the I guess the first misconception is just how bad crypto is for the environment. I think proportionally, it's actually not that bad, and it's actually probably you know better for the environment than the dollar. But that's a whole a whole another conversation. Um, the second misconception is that crypto is just a pure scam. Um, I think people have. Sorry, I know people personally that have been scammed out a lot of money uh, on, uh, on kind of Web3 and crypto in general. And it's a real thing. Uh, you know, this isn't something that people who are socially inept should do. Um, and if you are, sorry, socially inept, oh my gosh, technologically inept. If you're socially inept, go for it. Um, but, you know, people who aren't proficient with technology shouldn't really touch crypto until they know exactly what they're doing. And When I say exactly what they're doing, I mean, they should like, know, take a course, or they should educate themselves for a long time, because there are a lot of ways to get screwed. Uh, if you don't know a little bit of code, you can get really screwed from them. You know, writing some really vicious viruses into NFTs that you buy um, and other cryptos. But that being said, you know, I think there's going to be a really big shakeout eventually, and you're going to see a lot of people win and a lot of people lose, kind of like the dot com bubble in the early 2000s, and. Yeah, I, I don't think it's all a scam. At the very least, the technology of smart contracts and blockchain and DAOs alone, I think, proves that uh, it's revolutionary and what it's doing for the uh, the fintech world, especially, but um, just for businesses in general and for the everyday consumer. One day, um, my advice for people that kind of want to learn more about this, I think there are so many resources. I think Twitter is kind of the main spot for a lot of people that are you know very. Uh, pro crypto, but if you want to learn a lot, I think honestly, just looking at people's blogs and seeing what they've talked about. One of my professors is why I got into crypto. Um, uh, his name's Stephen McKeon. A little shout out to him. Um, he just started a crypto venture fund in Oregon called Collab and Currency. And you know, he's it's it's amazing like what these people are able to do. And you know, people will just be like, "Oh, it's some guy on the internet." No, this is like a guy that you know, is probably worth more than all of us combined. You know, like he is a very smart guy and there are a lot of smart people behind this. And so I, I just think that people should be willing to broaden their horizons, their perspectives, not listen to everything they see per se in the media, take it with a grain of salt until you do your research. Um, and yeah, that's my, that's my main advice there.